Nancy Richards. And there you have it. It is indeed SFM Literature with me, Nancy Richards. Thanks very much already. I'm Nancy Richards, and together in the Cape Town studio, we have Rob Parkin. And we also have Sulufelo Poe, who's descended to the fairest Cape here, and she's going to be joining us for the next three hours right here at home, as it were. Lovely to have her. In Johannesburg, we have Kanye Belloni. And uh, don't forget that we have you. I'm sure you won't forget that. I hope you're going to stay with us. And uh, if you'd like to join in with the conversation at any stage, you are welcome. The number to call is 0892102010. And Sulu is here to pick up your call, 08. 9210-2010. And if you'd like to pop us a mail at any stage, you can do that as well. We're books at safm.co.za. Very easy. Books at safm.co.za. Well, let me tell you what we've got lined up. We've got a really interesting, thought-provoking, I think, uh, collection of uh, words and books and so on uh, lined up for today. Starting off in our hero slot with a book called Categories of Persons. It's a collaboration of a book. It's between Megan Jones and Jacob Clamini. Uh, Megan, who's right here in Cape Town, and Jacob, who's in Barcelona. And we'll find out why just in a minute. But this is where the identity bit comes in because it's subtitled Rethinking Ourselves and Others. So if you've ever wondered about yourself, now's the time to listen. After that, in our feature called Text, some fuel for further thought, I think, in terms of who we are as South Africans anyway, and how are we or aren't we changing post-apartheid? We're talking to author Carly Kutsia, who shares some ideas on, on that in her book called Accented Futures, and it's subtitled Language, Activism, and the Ending of Apartheid. So, interesting pair in the first hour. After that, in book two, a look back on looking forward, I guess you could call it. It's a, it's a book called Prophecies, and it's been written by historian Douglas Hawkins, who tells a fictional story from the viewpoint of a Zulu family caught up in the Anglo-Boer War. So get your head around that, eh? After that, bookshelf. And don't forget, this is your spot where you can tell us what you're reading or what you're selling if you're a bookseller. And we're going to be talking to Dr. Musa Enrique Nzula. He'll be sharing his thoughts on Muzi Kuzwayo's book, which is called Black Man's Medicine. But don't forget, you're welcome to give us a call or pop us a mail and tell us what you're reading, what's pressing your buttons right now, and it's books at safm.co.za. Or if you want to tell the boss herself, she's right here. So you can give us a call 0892 10-2010. After that, in our story section, it's the documentary. And same with Vietnam. You might remember the last couple of, uh, last couple of BBC Changing World documentaries coming from Vietnam. Well, this one, as per the very latest in the series, we'll be hearing about the late guitarist Jimi Hendrix and his take on that conflict and the emergence of the Black Panthers. I would say that's definitely one to listen to if you're old enough to know who Jimi Hendrix are. You're old enough to be listening. After that fire, uh, Roger Webster lights the fires of the past once again with the story, this time of James Pratt and the turn of destiny. And very last, but certainly not least, if you're a beer lover, if you're a a lover of the brown brew, we're going to be talking to co-authors of a book called African Brew, Exploring the Craft of South African Beer. And they are the lucky people who did all the research, Raina Renica and Lucy Corney. So that's uh, that's what we got in the lineup. And to close, as always, Sunday play. So give us a call if you want to share 0892102010 or if you'd like to just listen, stay tuned. Wow, what a relief. I have the best attorney on my side. Not so long ago, my children's trust fund was embezzled by an attorney. Now my confidence has been restored. Because of an attorney, I can trust. So, what do you do in the unlikely event your attorney breaks this trust and steals your money? You call the trust line to report your concern. The Attorney's Fidelity Fund and the Law Societies of South Africa have the means to protect your trust funds. Call trust line on 0800 20 20 36. Trust us. Talk to us. T's and C's apply. 
President Jacob Zuma invites South Africans to mark Older Persons Week from the 1st to the 6th of October this year. Make it your business by honoring older persons and celebrating their contribution to building a better South Africa. Working together, let us promote the well-being of senior citizens and make this year's Grandparents' Day on the 6th of October a successful one in every household and community. A message from the Presidency. literature. Well, that's what it is. That's what you're listening to. And if you'd like to join in on SAFM Literature, it's 0892102010. And you might like to think about this one. Who are you? And who is your fellow South African? Simple enough questions, you might think, but Megan Jones and Jacob Lamini would question that. Because in their book, which is called Categories of Persons, they look at options on rethinking ourselves and others through their own writing and through that of several others who are a very well-informed collection of people they've got too. So the question I am asking is, where on earth did this idea start? It has an intriguing cover, which Megan is going to tell us all about in a minute. She's uh, in our studio. Hi, Megan. Hi, thanks. Nice to have you. Thank you very much for coming in. Uh, Megan, incidentally, is a postdoctoral fellow at the English department at the Stellenbosch University. She's done all sorts of other things prior to that, however. And in uh, Barcelona, I'd love to say in our Barcelona studio, but however, we don't have one. But we do have in Barcelona on the line, we have Jacob Clamini. Hi, Jacob. Uh, hi, Nancy. Nice to have you with us. Gosh, you sound quite close. <laughs> <laughs> the wonders of technology. Yes, absolutely. Well, I can tell you, it doesn't always like you can sometimes find people around the corner and they sound like they're a million miles away. Um, Jacob, I'm going to start with you, not the difficult question of who are you, but what are you doing in Barcelona, just so that we know. Uh, I, you know, like Megan at, at Stellenbosch, I'm a postdoc, uh, only I'm uh, at the University of Barcelona, and that's, that's what brings me here. Okay, doing what? Studying what? Uh, well, oh. I, uh, <laughs> uh, what am I working on? I am trying to uh, turn my dissertation, which was uh, accepted last year. I, I, I actually finished my PhD in, uh, in May uh, of 2012. And so what I'm trying to do in Barcelona is to convert the PhD, uh, which is about the social history of the Kruger National Park, uh, into a book. Uh, but I'm also part of a, an international team of researchers who are trying to understand the contemporary wor- <clears throat> world. And, and, and we're doing this by uh, looking at Brazil, South Africa, and, and, and you know, bits of Spain. Uh, and, and what we're trying to do with that comparison is to, to, to look at how one might think more creatively uh, about you know, the contemporary world. Mm. Well, you've definitely been thinking creatively about persons, categories of persons here in South Africa. Um, And I I just have to come back to the social history of the Kruger National Park, um, which you're trying to do from Barcelona, which I can only imagine must be very difficult. Do you not need the smell of the bush under your nose to sort of get, get it together? Well, I, I do, Nancy, from, from time to time. Uh, but the, I, I mean, the nice thing about, about, you know, being in Barcelona is that I, um, you know, uh, with a, a group of scholars who, uh, you know, have at best uh, minimal contact with South Africa. Uh, so what I take for granted and, you know, the assumptions I make about South Africa and about the place of the Kruger Park in, in our country's history, uh, you know, I'm challenged uh, quite often here by my colleagues. And, and that's good for me because, it, you know, it keeps me on my toes. Mm. 
Gosh, well, that's another story, isn't it? Maybe we'll get you back to chat about that at some stage. But if I can just stay with you and Barcelona, I'm just thinking that this might be a taste for you of of the medicine of otherness that you you guys in the academic world are very keen to use. You know, being the other. How is your Spanish? Are you do you are you feeling a little <laughs> my, bit alien? My, my Spanish is hopeless. But fortunately for me, my wife Patricia speaks uh, fluent Spanish. Uh, you know, which she uh, studied in, and, and learned in Mexico, uh, and, and, and that's been good for us because she does all the negotiating. So you're the mute husband. I'm the mute husband. <laughs> I'm talking to neighbours or the plumber. Uh, I, I, you know, I can you know order uh, a coffee or a beer, but that's the extent of it. Well, I guess it frees you up to do a whole lot of thinking, which is really what you're there to do. <laughs> so I suppose that's fair enough. Okay, uh, it, it does. It does. So having having grilled you on what on earth you're doing in um, in Barcelona, we'll come back to who you are in just a minute because I was fascinated by your piece in Categories of Persons. But Megan, let's find okay. out about the background to the, this book. Categories of Persons refer the Constitution. Just explain to us where this was born and what it's about. Well, um, it's been an ongoing conversation between Jacob and myself. Um, I was initially interested in doing work on configurations of blackness in post-apartheid South Africa, and I'd obviously read Jacob's book, Native Nostalgia, um, and loved it. And uh, I approached him um, about a possible project. And then we um, had a workshop at WITS, um, at the WISER which, WISER, which is the WITS Institute for Social and Economic Research. And it became apparent in the course of that workshop that a focus on blackness was going to be too narrow. Um, and that the wider question was really about the re-racialization um, of South African society and the sort of crystallization and solidification of, of racialized identities and of identity politics. And so we just wanted to sort of explore the, the causes of that and to think, think against it. Okay, so the configurations <coughs> of blackness, you say it was too narrow, I'm sort of thinking really. <laughs> it feels like a, like a very broad one, but mm. I suppose perhaps it's one that may follow mm. on from this book, because what you needed to do was first look at all of South Africa. And if I've sort of um, interpreted it right, one of the th- interesting things is that before 1994, we mm. had uh, very neat little categories, which were black, white, coloured and mm. Indian. And now we've got more neat little categories. We've just replaced one lot with another lot. Mm. Hence, categories of persons. Just explain that term. Well, this, this title is actually Jacob's. Um, and he was using it both to refer to the kinds of terminologies that were present in South Africa under apartheid and how the Constitution made an attempt to move away from from that language. Um, but that first of all, that, that there is a dissonance between the Constitution's kind of disavowal of the terms black and white and coloured and Indian, um, and the ways in which South Africans speak to each other and relate to each other, in which those terms are still very much present. Um, and then he was also drawing on the work of Marcel Maus, um, particularly in regard to the ways in which these sort of categories of identification upon which we insist are historically constructed. Um, And so the work was to sort of denaturalize the categories. Okay. So let's go back to the workshop, which is where the, you know, Mm. the, 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 the second version of your first concept was born. Who was at the workshop and what was on the table? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, again, I 
get that from you, and then I'm going to get it from Jacob. <laughs> and then, so whatever you've forgotten, I'm sure he'll pick up. I don't know if you will, actually. <laughs> um, so we invited a number of people, mostly people based in Johannesburg. Um, so that was Sarah Nuttall, um, Becky Peterson, who actually couldn't be there at the time, Isabel Hoffmeyer, um, Ivor Chipkin, um, Jerry Marais, who is based actually at UKZN, um, and then a scholar from the US, Rosalind Morris. Um, and we just asked them, and these are all people who work in the area of um, race, um, of identity, and who are doing sort of very interesting and quite provocative work. Um, and we just asked them to think with us um, through this um, problem, really, of its fixation on identity politics. Mm -hmm. I can't remember. I did write a little list of questions down for them, but I cannot for the life of me remember what they were. Well, probably probably less important than the questions is the responses, mm. because I imagine you only needed to ask one question and would have got a group of people like that mm. thinking very hard. Jacob, coming back to you, and I, and I hope somebody was making notes frantically, or at least perhaps recording the whole conversation, but for you, what floats to the surface as, as the important points that came out of that workshop? Well, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's a difficult question. Uh, uh, but I, I would say, you know, I think what, what, uh, you know, what came out of that conversation uh, and, and what has been uh, expressed quite uh, uh, strongly uh, by Njabul and Debelani's forward mm -hmm. to categories of persons is this idea of uh, fatal intimacy. Uh, or, you know, what I would call uh, racial intimacy. And then, you know, as Magnus was pointing out earlier, that, that you know, we began with this idea of, of looking at how blackness as, 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 as an identifier was, was changing, uh, you know, after, after 94. But it, it became clear in that conversation with, with this, you know, Council of Elders, as, as Megan and I call them, uh, <laughs> that, that, you know, to just focus on, on, on blackness would be to ignore uh, a bigger part of the story. And then mm -hmm. that's that, uh, you know, blackness on its own just doesn't make sense in South Africa. It's blackness in relation to other categories of identification. And, and so that what we needed to do was to explore uh, in a very personal but also deeply informed ways, you know, this idea of racial intimacy. You know, the fact that, uh, you know, whether we like it or not, uh, we are connected. Uh, and, and I'm not just saying this in a fuzzy, you know, warm, mm. uh, you know, uh, touchy-feely kind of way, but, but uh, in, in a way that, 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 you know, that forces us to think through what it means, uh, you know, to, to be this category or that category of person. And, and, and to, to think about that in ways that, that you know, uh, hopefully, you know, lead all of us to, to, to this idea of, of racial intimacy. And, of course, by, you know, intimacy, you know, we don't mean people sleeping together. We, mm -hmm. that, that's not mm -hmm. what we're particularly interested in, but, but, but in how people live uh, together, how people live with each other. Yes, I suppose there's, Megan, is there a bit of a conflict between people being, just saying, I'm just a South African, you mm -hmm. know, no colour issue here. I'm just a de-race it, in other words. Um, it, uh, you know, we, we're, we're just simply South Africans. And at the same time, you know, one is being proudly black or proudly white or proudly mm -hmm. Indian or proudly coloured. You know, it's those things still exist. Mm -hmm. So it's a difficult thing to sort of slough it off and pick it up at the same time. Mm. Well, I think we are very careful um, to note in our introduction that categories of identification can be um, important nodes of mobilization for people. 
And we're also far from denying that race continues to have real effects in South Africa. Um, but I think what we're asking people to do is to be cognizant of how, as Jacob was saying, as how, of how their, their identities are wound up with the identities of others. Um, that to be black in South Africa is not simply a question of one's blackness, but as Jacob said, it's a question of one's blackness with regard to whiteness, um, with regard to what it means to be coloured, um, that all of these things are enmeshed and entangled. And so what we're trying to do is to mitigate a certain kind of essentialism that happens when people um, draw on the kind of rhetoric of those categories. Um, and claim to be 100% anything. Well, you know, that's a false claim. No one is 100%. Jacob, racial intimacy, leaving aside, you know, the sort of the very close intimacy, is it it changing, you know, from the way it was back in the 80s, for instance? I mean, is there a noticeable difference in that workshop? Was it discussed that people are interacting on a very different level these days? Well, I... Megan is going to have to help me out on this one, because I... uh, uh, and of course, you know, 2013 is not 1994, it's not 1976, or, you know, or even 1960. Uh, so I mean, there's constant change, I and mean, there's, there's no doubt about it. Uh, but it's change taking place in the context of, 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 uh, you know, of other changes, but, but also change taking place in, in, in the context of, of, of people just coming together, uh, you know, in, in, in different spheres of life. So, you know, people coming together, you know, uh, on a shop floor, or people, you know, bumping into each other in a supermarket, and then, you know, uh, you know kids going to school together. So, so there's, there's, there's change, uh, but, but there's also, and you know, I think you know, Megan put it quite, uh, you know, eloquently in, in her opening uh, remarks, that there is a, a crystallization of, 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 of you know, these uh, categories, uh, you know, of, of identification. And, and in some ways, there's a, there's a, there's a move backwards to mm-hmm. a, an essentialization of, of, you know, what it means to be, say, Zulu and what it means to be vendor, what it means to be white-colored Indian, etc. Uh, and I think what we notice with, 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 with this move backwards is, is, is that it ignores, a, 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 you know, is, is this unfaithful to our history, which is a history of, of racial intimacy. And, and of course, you know, but by racial intimacy, we, we don't we don't suggest harmony. We don't we don't suggest that that, that you know, uh, it's just you know South Africa is just one big laugh fest. We, we we're not you know suggesting <laughs> that at all. But we are suggesting that, that yeah. there's a you know there, there's there's a, an interconnectedness uh, that, that that defines as, as, as a country, and, and it's not unique to South Africa. I think you know you could make the same argument about. Spain, you could make the same argument about the U.S. Uh, but, 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 you know, there is this connection between people, and, and some of it is not, you know, it is not willed, uh, you know, but, but the fact that we live together in this, you know, geographic entity called South Africa, you know, suggests at the very least that there is, you know, a level of, of, of connection yeah. oh, uh, that, that needs to be explored when we think, uh, you know, critically about what it means to be South African, what it means to be a woman, a man, a gay person, etc. Yes, there's certainly a lot of connection. I mean, there's far more interaction than there was before, but it, that interaction is not necessarily bringing us closer together mm-hmm. um, in many ways. You know, that's in, true, that's true. sadly, certainly mm-hmm. if you listen to what's being said out there, it doesn't feel always mm-hmm. that we're coming closer together. But, Megan, in terms of who we are and asking that question, there, at one point somewhere in, the, in your introduction, which sort of kind of spells out the whole thing, it's you suggest that we read bodies like text, that mm. we, we look at one another in all our whatever coloredness we are 
and we make assumptions mm-hmm. because of the way a person stands or sits or what their hair is like or what their skin mm-hmm. is like. So is that good, bad? Is that, a, is that something we need to reread? Well, look, and this is, that was just reflecting my literary bias. Um, I was drawing on the work of a scholar called Stuart Hall, um, who is a scholar of race. Um, and I guess what he says is that we just need to be reflexive about our readings of people. Um, and we need to be aware of how those readings are filtered through various have been are filtered through historical and social processes so that they're mediated readings. Um, and look, the, the advantage of that is, and I know I will be, a number of social scientists will take me to task because this is a very sort of textual approach, mm-hmm. but um, the advantage of this is that when you think about reading and you think about a book, that a book is, when you pick up a book, you read it the way you want to. You know, texts are open to multiple interpretations. Um, and so we do have agency over our readings. And I think that that is, uh, an empowering thought. Um, and, and when we meet somebody, we mm. read them in a similar way, and we can choose to say, "Well, I, I know where they, I know where they're coming mm. from. That's a definitely a X, Y, Z." Or we can think, "Maybe not. Let's mm. just hear them out, mm. or let's just see how this goes." And the way you behave towards another person is going to colour, if you'll use the expression, mm-hmm. oh, forgive the expression, it's going to colour the way they respond to you as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. Jacob, I can hear you giggling in the background there. <laughs> Yeah. No, I, no, I, I, I agree totally with you know, what Megan just said. Because uh, you know what we would like you know this collection to do is, is to you know to, to open up you know the conversation that, that we are constantly having in South Africa about race uh, to to challenge our own assumptions. Uh, and, and you know as, as, as Megan points out, you know we are constantly and then you know Nancy says you also you know point out that we're constantly reading each other. We're constantly reading each other, you know its body as we you know, come into contact with it. But, but uh, you know, we need to be quite open about, you know, what the reading is and, and you know, what, what, what it leads to. And, and, and that means that, you know, we have to be, uh, you know, as Megan says, reflexive, you know, be aware of our own assumptions, you know, be aware of our own prejudices. Yes, yes. And, yes. and, 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 and deal with those. And first, I suppose we need to be aware of ourselves and look at ourselves Mm. and identify who we are for ourselves, which you have done very eloquently, um, Jacob, in your piece, which is uh, which was actually printed in the in the Sunday Times last week. But it's a lovely piece, which I'm assuming, although it's written in the third person, I'm I'm assuming it's your story. It, 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 it is my story, and, 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 and you know, thanks, thanks for your you know a positive reaction to it. And you know, there's this one way uh, in which the, the, that piece could have been written, uh, you know, considering that we were looking at we were looking at race in, in, in South Africa. I could have made the fact that you know my father was was you know, you know <clears throat> was buried in a so-called black cemetery, uh, you know, when he died. Uh, but then you know. Uh, that his remains were dug up and reburied in, a, in what used to be a white cemetery. You know, the, I could have, you know, made that the the the, the center of the piece, yeah. but I think that would have undermined, uh, you know, the argument that, that Megan and I are trying to advance uh, in, in in this collection, and, and that's 
you know, to, to, to look at how people live beyond race and to look at how people live in ways other than, you know, racialized ways. Mm. Uh, so, so for me, the, 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 the family politics, you know, the, 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 my relationship with my father, uh, with, with my half-siblings is more important than, than what happens to, uh, you know, to my father's remains. Uh, but but it's, it's, it's a, it's a, the fact that he's reburied in, 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 a, in what used to be a white cemetery is a big part of the story, but, but it's not the story. Yeah. Uh, so if I, uh, I think it approached it conventionally, uh, you know, I you know, could have made that descent piece. Uh, but, but, you know, as it is, it, it's just one detail among, you know, other details. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and so what I'm trying to do, and I hope you know the piece succeeds in this, is, is, is to show how we live beyond race, even in, 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 in instances where race cannot be ignored, where race is a factor. Hmm. Did you write the piece specifically for the book? I, I, I did actually. Hmm. I, I, I did, and, and I, you know, I, I have a, you know, a bit of a complex about it. And, uh, I, I'm, I'm trying to remember what Megan's initial reaction was, uh, and I think Megan, you, you, you pointed out correctly, uh, you know, that, that the piece drew quite, quite heavily on, on Jam Kutsia, uh, and, 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 you know, and, you know, his work on his own, uh, you know, on, on his own childhood and youth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, Kutsia is, is a definite influence, you know, that, mm-hmm. that I cannot deny. Uh, the piece was written for, uh, you know, for the collection, and uh, part of the motivation was was to, uh, you know, come up with a piece that was about race, but not about race yes. at the same time. If, if that makes any sense. Yes, it does, and I'm just thinking that it, if, when you finish your Kruger National Park social history thereof and everything else that you're busy doing, it would be really interesting to give workshops and help people write their own story in a limited period of time, mm-hmm. a limited, you know, number of words. In a way, you know, that, that they forces them to think about who they are in a racial or non-racial context. Mm-hmm. Because obviously you gave it some thought. I mean, had you just been writing that story uh, just off the top of your head, it may have come out very differently. But because you uh-huh. thought about it very carefully, and I think it would be interesting for each and every one of us South Africans to write a, a little bit of our story mm-hmm. and tell us where we're coming from. Um, interesting, the J.M. Kutsia connection, which, uh, which now that you mention it, I see that, absolutely. Megan, what about your piece, which is called Mobility? Moving. 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 <laughs> Flexibility in it, yes. Which is... Quite different altogether. Although it's a personal story, it's not mm. your own. This is who I am story, but mm. this is how I have reacted in certain situations. Mm. Just explain. Well, well, first of all, I love Jacob's contribution. Um, Just in case you doubt yes. it, Jacob. I mean, that was born out of my experience, partly because I love to tell stories. Um, I'm a great you know, sit down at the dinner table, tell everyone my story. Um, And it was born out of just encounters um, of taking public transport in Johannesburg and in Cape Town um, and of being something of an anomaly, a sort of a, although I now do have my own car, but of being a sort of a white middle-class woman um, taking public transport and the kind of um, the responses of uh, consternation that um, that I would re- you know would receive, um, but from whom? From other white people? Yes, okay. largely. Um, but just that I, I mean, I suppose I'm the sort of person who likes to look for moments of connection or humour um, or conviviality is the word that I use in the piece. Um, but it's just that I had several really quite 
thought-provoking and almost remarkable experiences while taking public transport. Um, and it just seemed to me that it would be a useful way of unpacking um, the ways in which we relate to each other in South Africa, and it just through a kind of an experiential lens. Um, but I also wanted to make it, I wanted to give it a kind of a fairly scholarly grounding. I didn't want it to be simply experiential. Oh, I took the taxi, and therefore I am, you know, a kind of heterogeneous, open-minded person. Yeah. No, I wanted to to also insert some elements of thoughtfulness and of a more kind of, I guess, academic theory about the nature of movement and of public transport and of moving and how that opens us up to certain kinds of encounters and engagements, um, which I hope the piece conveys. I just have to read this because I thought it was really thought-provoking, <laughs> all of the above of what you've just said. When you get into one particular taxi in Johannesburg, um, you, unfortunately I end up next to the driver who waves me enthusiastically towards the front. This means the following. One, brushing off the driver's relentless flirtation. Two, receiving passengers' money, organising the correct change, a nerve-wracking task requiring mathematical accuracy, speed, neither of which I possess. Three, an unhindered view of the road as the taxi speeds along, the terrifying front wheel wobble, the bumpers of other cars rearing up suddenly like ships in fog as the driver weaves and brakes and accelerates. Four, the certain knowledge that in an accident I will hurtle through the front window. And five, feigning absolute indifference to all of the above. Yes. (laughs) Not an easy ride. (laughs) Well, Jacob and I once actually caught a taxi back from Vitz to Melville together. Um, I don't know if you remember, Jake. Um, and um, the driver was really driving very fast and erratically, and Jacob was just like, it's okay, you know, no fear. He just <laughs> blind face. Well, he did it guess somewhere. <laughs> but, but the, you know, listening to your anecdotes, and there are mm. three little anecdotes that you described there, it's a wonderful um, place of interaction because mm. people are so very intimately mm. closed. Jacob, um, do you travel a lot when you're in South Africa? Do you travel a lot in taxi? And is there a whole body of stories there that you could be telling us? Oh, oh absolutely. Mm. I, I actually, I, you know, when I had a column at Business Day, I would draw on, on, on you know, on, on, on my experiences of travelling uh, from A to B by, by, by public transport. And, and of course, I think we would, you know, I think, you know, Mike was correct to point this out, that, that in, in some ways we, you know, you know she and I are privileged to, to, mm. uh, to be able to do this uh, and, 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 and write about it. Because, you know, for the majority of, yeah. of South Africans who you know, rely on public transport, this is what you do. Mm. You know, this is this is this is how you live. So, so you know, we we we're not trying to, uh, you know, come in as as, as four years, but, but we are trying to reflect on, on on you know what it means for people to you know have to rely on these taxis or you know these trains, uh, and, and and how that uh, creation of of of, of uh, you know a public space uh, you know informs uh, you know this kind of intimacy that that, that we're interested in. You know, how, how people live together. Is it a great opportunity for people to get to know one another and find out, you know, if we were, if there were more sort of racial groups who all use taxis, would it be a, a great opportunity? Because, Megan, one of the other things you say in your, uh, in your chapter on moving is mm. that very often when people are in transit, whether it's in a plane or on the street, 
Um, they just, they're, yeah. although they're surrounded by people, they're in solitary isolation. However, when you get into a taxi, you are right there next to somebody, mm. probably. Um, so you, you could be getting to know one another better. Well, you it's could. A, it's an opportunity that we're missing. Yeah, look, I mean, I don't want to romanticise the experience too much. Certainly, most of the time that I caught the taxi, I was ignored. I ignored other people. You just you are getting on with your life and you have to get to work and it's busy and people, you know, I just had to catch a taxi from Melville, but people who are coming in from Soweto, they would have been up really early in the morning queuing for a long time um, to get onto the taxi. So, you know, I don't want it to make it sound like a more convivial space than Mm. it is. But I do think that when you use public transport, you are forced to be more alert to the presence of others. Um, and to and to engage with that then when you're traveling and I certainly have noticed myself now that I finally have a car that I have a a real sense of being sealed off Mm. Um, and that I don't you know and it makes me quite an unpleasant human being (laughs) sometimes Um, because you don't have to you you, that intimacy is not forced upon you it's a bit Um, like living behind a very high wall yes oh absolutely (laughs) Yeah, it's becoming clearer, um, and it becomes clearer how much discussion and debate there really needs to be around mm. who we are and how we can and can't connect. Uh, just moving back to the book itself, there are a number of other people. We don't have so much time, but for you, Jacob, just give us a, an idea of one of the other stories in the book, if you can remember them, because I know it's, it's been a while since you put it together, that you think tells a, tells a story or proves a point. I, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, that, that, that's, that's a very tough choice to make because I, I think this is a powerful, powerful con- in, in a, uh, co- collection of essays. Uh, but I, you know, I have to say, you know, having said that, you know, so, you know, you know, Megan's piece on on on, on moving and, and and public transport is is a stunning piece, I think. Uh, you know, Karen Lazar's uh, you know piece uh, about her stroke and, and and you know coming out of that mm. uh, is, 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 is a beautiful, person. beautiful piece. Yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah, and, and then, you know, Niels Blom's piece, uh, on, 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 you know, racial conversations, uh, is, is, is a stunning, uh, portrait of, of, of a different kind of intimacy. You know, the, the, the assumption that, uh, if you look like me, you must share my prejudices. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, so, so Niels's piece, you know, and, and his exploration of that is, is, is a beautiful, beautiful, uh, you know, a piece. And, and then there's Copano Ratelli's, uh, you know, essay about fatherhood and, 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 you know, about children and, and, you know, the expectations that we as parents have, uh, you know, uh, you know, and, 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 and I mean, the title just says it all, you know, Dad used to be a crosser, right? You know, yeah. because, again, going back to the point that Megan was making earlier about, about how we read certain bodies. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so you see what looks like a black body, and you assume that well, it, you know, if it looks like a black body, then it must speak like a black body. <laughs> it must be a Kosa, mm-hmm. it must be Zulu, it must speak this or that language. Uh, and, and yet, that's not always the case. Uh, you know, so, so Kopano's piece just challenges. Uh, you know, challenges how how we how we think about this, and and, and of course, uh, there's Ria Noppel's essay on on on, on coloured identity, right? It, it, again, you know, this is not a, a homogeneous, uniform identity. In fact, no identity ever is. You know, as Megan said earlier, no person is ever 100. percent And but but how you know Ria you know explores that uh, is, is is quite is quite powerful, I think. Yes, interesting, certainly on the question of language. We're going to be talking in a minute to Carly Kutsia. She's the author of a book called Accented Futures, Language Activism and the Ending of Apartheid. So no doubt we'll pick up on that. But I was just reminded last week we were speaking to Zizkle Kumalo about his book of... uh, 
called Almost Sleeping My Way Through Timbuktu. And he said we talked about language. And when he got there, um, when he got to Mali, when he was in all the Francophone mm-hmm. countries, he said we may have had the same colour skin, but we had absolutely nothing in common because we couldn't speak the same language. Mm-hmm. So, so as much as it's skin colour and you know what's in our genes and DNA, it, it's all about whether or not we can communicate. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. So, Megan, just remains for me to say, has this answered the questions that came out of the workshop, or and you know, is there is there room for a whole lot more? Oh yes, um, I think you know, I, I, I think the answer is that, that these things are always in process. And that no answer is ever absolute. Um, And certainly we have um, been approached um, the possibility of pursuing the project further. Um, You know, and I think, you know, Jacob mentioned Karen Lazar's piece, and I I think that's important because although this is a book which deals primarily with race, it's also about reading bodies as they are gendered um, or disabled or able-bodied or for sexuality, and I think so. I think that there are multiple avenues um, that can be pursued, and I think it's a question that will always be yes. needs well, to be. And, and the big question that we haven't even touched on is the picture on the cover of the no. book, which is of a, oh, yes. an Orlando Pirates supporter wearing a bra and a skirt, yes. uh, talking on his cell phone, which is a story in itself. So I'm going to leave you with that because then you will rush and buy the book because it's even if you just buy it for the cover. Um, but it's it's really an interesting, collect, thought-provoking collection of Thank short you. stories, I suppose. Yeah. There's a lot of thought behind it. Jacob Lamini, back to your pile or whatever it is that you might be having in Spain, but it's been lovely chatting. And look forward to hearing more about your book on uh, the social history of the Kruger National Park when it happens. Thank you. Nancy, thank you so much for having us. I have to say that Megan actually deserves all the credit. In fact, Megan and Andrea Natris, our publisher, uh, and and, and of course our our, our contributors. So thank you so much for having us. And and thanks to Megan and Andrea and and our contributors for, for their work. Lovely. Thank you. Nothing like a man who is so filled with humility. (laughs) Megan Jones, thank you very much, and it really has been interesting. Look forward to hearing more. Categories of persons, uh, rethinking ourselves and others, and if you would like to get hold of a copy, it's published by Picador. But I'll give you all all the details once again at the end of the show. Stay with us.